0: You're listening to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Have a great, great morning so far, and just excited about this opportunity as well. Um, I want to invite you to go with me, if you will, in your Bibles to, to Luke chapter 17. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4 in a moment, and I'm going to share with you on one of the most controversial topics or one of the most well one of the hardest things to deal with in, in life. People. I hope y'all okay. <laughs> but people that, there is an exclamation point after, at the end of that word. <laughs> uh, people. Wouldn't life be great if there was nobody but you? I mean, granted, you can drop some grandkids off for about an hour or two, and then that's fine, but just everybody else, we wouldn't. How many problems would we have that would leave if there wasn't so many people to deal with? In Luke chapter 17, I believe God addresses the issue of dealing with people. We're going to look several other places in Scripture this morning. Got two simple uh, main. Points I want to grab uh, today, but uh, my biggest prayer is that that God would honestly change our thinking so that our hearts might be different concerning one of the most important things, I believe, to the heart of God, and that's people. So in Luke 17, verses 1 through 4, the Bible reads like this. It says, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offense should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if he had a millstone hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Let's pray. Father... Please take your word today, Um, challenge us, challenge us beyond what we have ever been challenged before in our own personal lives, God, help us to process through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, process your word in truth so that we might have life and more abundant and free in Christ's name, amen. So, got a big question for you. You got a place there if you got a handout. Who is it? Who is it? And let me just say this, if you need more room than the two lines that I gave you and you need to write on the back, I'll meet with you after church and we can talk a little bit. But who is it? Is it is it just a person? Is is it multiple people? Maybe you don't have anybody at this moment, but here's what I know from the text. The Bible says it is impossible that no offense should come. So I know that if there, there's anything that's universal outside of the fact that we are all uh, born into sin, that, that all of sin fall short of the glory of God, that, that death is appointed to man, you know that people will need resources like toilet paper as long as they live here on this earth, There are some things that we know, and there's one thing that I know, and that is that we will be offended, and we're going to be offended by other people. The Bible actually says that. And you don't have to put their name down. You can put a code word down. Narcissistic, you can put down whatever you you want to put. Cantankerous, you know, moron, whatever you need to put on that paper, you can put it down there. But who is it? Who are they? that maybe in your life that you're in the process of trying to forgive them, you're trying to get it worked out, you're, you're trying to make life more bearable with them, you, or you just absolutely, just be honest with, you know, to be honest, you just absolutely can't stand them. Wherever it's at in that whole range, who is it? And if you don't have anybody right now, it's good to take notes because you will. Have somebody. The reason I know this is because, again, what the Bible says, it is impossible that no offense should come. And I know this, that dealing with people makes life interesting. I know that's a very simple statement, but I think it's good for us to just get it out. That dealing with people makes life interesting. That is why people like pets, in my personal opinion. That's one reason, not the only reason, but that is one reason people like pets. Because if you feed the pet, you, you love the pet, the pet thinks you're God. Unless you own a cat, then the cat thinks it's God. But nevertheless, that's one reason that we, I believe, gravitate toward having a pet is because we have more control over that situation than we do over other people. And that's a thought that I want to take with us as we walk down through here thinking of the fact that it is impossible that no offense should come, is the fact that you and I, well, we can't control other people and be right with God. You and I cannot control other people and be right with God. You see, God is actually concerned about this very issue. He says it's impossible that no offense should come, but then he says, woe unto him, through whom the offense does come in other words this is actually god's business of dealing with people you and i as christians we we minister to people and and i guess to some degree yes we deal with folks and there is within our dealing with people there are disciplinary things that go on but that's not what we're talking about today i mean i'm talking about just the doing of doing life together with other people and the fact that people offend people, and when they offend people, we naturally want to go to the place that everybody wants to go to, and that is to some type of judicial system. You know that courts set up just for that? I mean, when you take somebody to court, it is because you have been what? Offended. You've been wronged. Typically, that's why you're going to court, and in the courtroom, you are going to prove your case. You're going to pull all of, your, uh, you know, all of your information together, and you're going to get a lawyer. Why? Because you've got to prove the damages, punitive damages, you know, collateral damages, whatever it might be, mental suffering and emotional suffering, physical suffering. You're going to go and lay all those things out so that you can prove your case for what purpose, and that is the purpose of being redeemed some type of payment for your damages. I mean that's why it's set up the way it is. That's how that's how it flows. And then here comes God and God says that we're going to do something absolutely different than that. We're going to we're going to in our Christian life dealing with each other, we're going to deal differently with people than that. But don't ever mistake that the that if people are offended, God knows about it. God cares about it. I mean, he puts it right at the very forefront. It is impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom the offense should come. Now, many of us would go, that's exactly right. You offend me. Woe to you because I'm coming for you. But that's not what God allows us to do. We, we deal with these issues. He says that it would be better for him to have, if he had a millstone hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he offend one of these little ones. And we know in that text what he's actually talking about is the fact of offending one of his children, not little children so much as his children. To God, we are his children. We've been given the right to be children of God because of Jesus Christ and his shed blood on Calvary. He has made it possible for us to be called children of God. And he says it would be better off to have a millstone hung around your neck and to be thrown into the sea than to offend one of these little ones. And then he goes on and he says that if your brother offends you, take heed to yourself, if your brother sins against you or your sister sins against you, that you are to rebuke them or to go to them and explain to them what they've done. And if they repent, they, then you are to forgive them. And if they come seven times, you are to forgive them seven times. But that you and I are to be in that, the business of communing with people on this earth as forgiven people and that we are to be forgiving people. And that in that forgiveness, we have challenges. And that's some of the stuff I want to talk about this morning. As a matter of fact, I want to take you to Romans chapter 12 for just a minute. In Romans chapter 12 we'll find that God speaks a little bit more about forgiveness. In Romans chapter 12, verses, I'm going to read actually 16 through 21. He says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, he says, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, that's tough, isn't it? I mean, honestly and truly, let's just, let's just, maybe it's not tough for you. It is one of the, probably one of the greater struggles that I've had in my Christian life that God, by his grace, has worked out in, in me and is working out in me still today. Not achieved it yet, but by the grace of God today, much, well, let's just put it this way. It's easier to win for the glory of God now than it was before. I don't know about you, but at times I thought God put me on the face of this planet to straighten out all the dumb people. I thought that that was, I mean, it's been a long, it's been a while back. But I don't think that a lot of us are far from that, are we? At some point in our life that we just feel like we need to straighten other people out. You know, if they miss the mark, we'll make sure they hit the mark the next time, by golly. And if they offend us we're going to make sure that they never have the chance to offend us again. If they offend somebody close to us, we're going to make sure that they never, ever do that again. I love this new theme that's come out, the mama bear thing. I hear, see that on Facebook and on other social media things all the time. Don't have the mama bear come out in me. Right? I don't think there's anything wrong with looking after your children. I don't one bit. But you know, I, I've noticed in my own life there are times when I maybe not you, when I have taken on the identity of the offended person when I was not the one offended. that In other words, I have seen people have a vendetta to right a wrong when they were not even the one that was offended, but that seems to feed our flesh. And that's all I want to bring out in that is it seems to, to feed our flesh a lot of times when we can show ourselves, when we can... Strut. But God says that we are not to be that way. As a matter of fact, Neil Anderson said this, most of the ground that Satan gains in the lives of Christians is due to unforgiveness. I'd have to agree to that, that, that a lot of the place, uh, places in our lives where unforgiveness can reside, it makes a garden for Satan to grow bad fruit in us. As a matter of fact, unforgiveness breeds bitterness, resentment, anger, unkindness, and even despair. You know, it's it's been said before, so if I can get this right, it's been said before that to hold unforgiveness thinking that that is going to hurt someone is like drinking poison expecting them to die. But here's a problem with with forgiveness. Have you ever had this either said in your own heart or other people around you? Well, I'll forgive them, I just can't forget. You know, I forgive them, I just can't forget. But I've also seen theologians or wannabe theologians throw out verses, you know, like uh, Jeremiah 31, 34. And at the end of that verse, it says, this is what God says. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sins, I will remember no more. And they say, well, see, God forgets our sins. But that's not true. That's not in context of what that scripture says. Because if God was to forget, he would not be omniscient anymore. In other words, it would, it would uh, bring a, a darkness on the, the character of God himself. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. And if any of those, anything happens that would break one of those, then God would cease to be God. God has not forgotten anything if he knows everything. Everything. And the day that he forgets something will be the day that he is not omniscient anymore. So what does God do with our sin? I think a beautiful picture of what God does with our sin is back in Leviticus, when Aaron is told to take and get two male goats. One of the goats is given as a sacrifice on the altar there. They take the blood of the, of the sacrificial goat. They put it on the two horns of the altar and on. They take a... a, a incense offering in to the, to the Lord and they, and they offer that to the Lord but then they take the other goat and Aaron takes and, and puts his hands on the two horns of the scapegoat to transfer the sins off into a place where they'll never be seen again. And they run the scapegoat off into a place, an unfamiliar place I think is actually how some of the translations kind of pull it out but that the, they're, they're cast, cast away. away. Let me give you a couple of definitions that might, might help. So, so when we think about forgiving, it is the opposite of that courtroom. It is actually to cancel the debt or never demand payment for the debt again. That's just like Jesus Christ. When, we, uh, when he forgives us of our sin, when, when we are uh, saved by his precious blood, when we uh, are brought into the family of God, that, that our debt is canceled in Christ, that that debt will never be brought up again, that never, debt will never be required again, that debt is paid in full. Jesus from the cross says it's finished, and so he's, he's finished the payment, he's, he's paid it in full, never to require it again, and he is using the same words for us in, in Luke 17, that when we forgive somebody, that we are canceling the debt, that we, whatever we accumulated in our minds as a payment for that debt, whatever we felt that we owed, that is gone. We write it off the books. Now, an interesting thing there is when it actually says in 714, and I've had times when a lot of some preachers, friends of mine, they don't want to talk about this part of it much, but I can't help but talk about it because it's in the book. But he says, when you acknowledge to them that they have offended you, if they repent, then you forgive them. And I'm like, well, how do you put that disclaimer in there? If they repent. But then I think about how God forgives us. Does God forgive you outside of repentance? I don't know anywhere in the Bible that I can point to that God forgives you without repentance. But see, now he's God and I'm not. So how do I deal with it? With this text, Luke 17 one through four, he says that if they repent, then you forgive. And the best that I can answer to you is this. Everybody that you deal with is not going to repent. We would love for that to happen because why? We want the relationship restored. And I I don't know many people in many situations that didn't just want the relationship to be restored. In other words, to make everything be right and all you want to hear is that the relationship's restored. You just want to hear that you're it's back, back together. together. It's put back like it, like it, that forgiveness has happened. But if somebody, somebody won't, won't re- repent, repent, if somebody won't acknowledge somebody the fact that they've done wrong, then guess, guess what? what? That relationship, relationship stays fractured. fractured. And, and many people would say, I, I don't want the money. I don't want the damages repaid, any of that. I just want to be, I want that fixed. I just want the relationship fixed. But what if they don't? What if they won't? then I believe you have to escrow this with God until hopefully that time comes. But you and I cannot carry that on our books. And I I just think about it in in accounting terms in the sense that if it's a debt and it's owed, then at some point in time, in order for me to be free from it, guess what? I have to discharge that debt but where is that debt gonna go because it's still an actual thing, then I believe you would escrow it with God and say, God, I am releasing this debt. I can't reconcile with them, but I've got to be reconciled with you and I am willing to be reconciled with them and if any point in time they will come and so I am going to, I am telling, handing it to you that if they ever come back, would you please let me have that out of escrow so that I might give it to them. But then you hit another part about that remembering. It means to call to mind, to cause to remember, to make a memorial. Now, I don't know about you, but I had a memorial garden full of granite monuments that were inscribed with all the people that hurt me. And I would gladly take somebody there and show them the person's life as soon as that name comes up or a thought comes up, ha, let me go show you the monument that I have from where they, that's the picture that I get in my mind when it comes to remembering because we must choose to not bring that up to our remembrance. Now that's hard, isn't it? Because sometimes the people that offended you, guess what? Other people are going to bring their names up. You may have to deal with them. I know a lot of times when it comes to broken homes, you know, fractured homes, This is dad's week, this is mom's week, and whether you're meeting at McDonald's or whether you're meeting at the grocery store or whether to exchange off junior, you see them. And I know these are real things that happen. You know, sometimes around holidays, you have to see people, and we've got holidays coming up soon. You see people that you, when you see them, it is going to bring back, it is going to try to bring back those memories, those things, those thoughts. But you and I, the way that we are renewed and the way that our life is lived to be free in Christ Jesus is by getting this thing straight. By the renewing of the mind. And our mind being renewed changes our heart. In other words, you and I are to invest our lives into the good things of God and thinking on them more than we think on the other things. There are situations to where you want to fix something with somebody, but you can't because that person might be passed away. That person maybe has moved off or maybe that person won't talk to you and you really want to reconcile that, but you can't. I have those things in my life too. And it takes God, only God, and, and you giving those things to God and saying, God, this I'm, you have to be, let's just put it this way, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes on your side of things whenever the opportunity arises. and outside of that, there's nothing else you can do. And, the, and if you make that memorial garden to where you have those monuments in stone, <laughs> I know plenty, I know plenty of folks, and I used to, like I say, I was one of them, that if you do me wrong, You've got a vendetta on your hands for the rest of your life because I will never. I've had pay people I pastor. I will never get past it, preacher. I'll never forgive I'll never forget it, whatever it is. Can you imagine living like that? Can you imagine living in that, that way? Because when forgiving, uh, forgetting is part of forgiving, then people will stop forgiving because they can't see it through. You ever tried to accomplish a task that you just couldn't do? And when we tie forgetting with forgiving, because listen, you're a human being and outside of old timers, you're probably not gonna forget. And when forgiving is tied with forgetting, you'll get tired of trying to forgive because you can't forget. And it's hard, isn't it? I mean, it, it is really hard to to. to to process these things. But we've been commanded by God that we actually are to forgive. We're to cancel the debt. And you go, this don't seem right. It seems like that they, are, they ought to have to pay for what they did. That's why he tells us in Romans chapter 12, don't repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. Give way to wrath, He says, vengeance is mine. In other words, God's not missed it. And that's what I want you to do. I want to take you back to to Luke 17 and reiterate that just another time or two. God has not missed it. Let me me throw this out there. I can't control people and be right with God. And it takes God for me to be right with him. See, when I think about all these things, I got to remember first and foremost that God forgave me. That God knows me, but God knew me. And God knew you too. Before the foundation of the world, God knew you. And so when we think about us being offended, think about what we did to offend God and then put things in perspective and realizing that God has, is saying that if there is wrath that needs to be poured out on somebody, I'll do the pouring out. As a matter of fact, he said, you do good to them if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. In so doing, you will heap coals upon their head. Why? Because that is unnatural for the human being to do, isn't it? That's not what they're expecting. Nobody is expecting that if you they do you wrong, that you're going to be good to them. I, I'm, I'm one that totally believes that any Christian, wherever you go and whatever you do, you ought to leave the people and the place that you are at better than it was when you found it. I just believe that. Everybody's got their view on tipping at uh, restaurants and, and all this other kind of stuff. But I be- just believe that as a testimony to God that we are to leave places, that when we leave places, we are to leave them better than they were when we found them. God sure did that for me. But then when it comes to relationships, that even when we're offended, that we are to leave that person better than when they offended us. And that's incredibly hard. It's outside of God, it's impossible because it even takes God for me to be right with him because I was not right with him. You can't get right with God on your own only through salvation, only through the Holy Spirit of God living in you, convicting you, changing you, through the word of God, that, that your mind being renewed, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that this is how it works. And you say, but preacher, you just don't understand how much I hurt. I don't. But he does. He does. And I don't want you to miss the fact that he cares. Listen, he said, you'd be better off that they had a millstone tied around her neck and they'd be cast into the sea. In context, I've read of, of traditions from that time that go along with that actual saying, that, that they would take cloth sacks and they would put snakes and scorpions and all this other kind of stuff in those sacks, put the people person in that sack, tie that sack up, tie a stone to it, then throw it into the ocean. It was one of the worst kinds of torment and death that you could possibly imagine. And this comes from the people, listen, that come up with drawn and quartered, the guillotine, you know, the, the water drip treatment, you know, drive people insane and the, uh, whatever, the water torture. I mean, think about it. And, and, and you know, honestly, I'm just going to be confessing. If I, I look at those and I go, dog man, I hate somebody beat me to it. You know, thinking about these things because our minds, maybe not everybody's, but a lot of our minds given in a place where we've been hurt, we will come up with ways to make people suffer. Jesus said that they'd be better off to be in the hands of human beings for torture. And I'm just gonna be honest with you. I don't know any worse hands to be in than in the hands of a human being for torture. He said they'd be better off to be have a millstone tied around their neck and throw it into the sea. Than to offend one of my little ones. So what he's saying is, is if they actually do deserve to be dealt with, that he is going to deal with them worse than we would deal with each other. And I don't know about you, but that's a huge statement. Have you seen some of the things that people do to each other? I mean, think about sex trafficking. Think about all the things that go that people will do to each other. And he said, they'd be better off to be in your hands than they would be to be in my hands, God says. So I just want you to understand, we can't take no glory. We can't take pride, and, and we can't relish in the fact that those people are going to be tortured. Why? because you also got to understand that he died for them and that you and I are part of the plan to redeem them. Let's step just a little further. (coughs) Living with people can make life interesting. There's no doubt. But loving people makes life intentional. Intentional. So many of us talk about the purpose in life that we, you know, what it, what we want to have a purpose, we want to have intentionality in life. Well, guess what? God has that set for us. And the premier plan that God has for our lives is to, is to love people. That, that is the foremost. Listen, the first and the great second commandment. Listen, the greatest commandment and the next is like unto it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your what? neighbor as yourself that that's what God's plan is, that we are to love him supremely but the other one is likened to, it, likened to it that we are to love others as ourself that we are to care for them, we are to do for them, he didn't give us any like side notes, footnotes. Any anything, it's like love them uh, uh, well if they're lovable, love them if they don't do anything to hurt you Love them if they treat you right, or love them if. He just says that you are to love them as you love yourself. Love God, love people. That was the commission that my pastor gave me when I left out. I went to his office and I said, hey, give me those words of wisdom before I leave out of here. He said, love God and love people. Wrote that down, I'm like, and he said, when you get that one figured out, come back and talk to me. Still working on that one. And I think the plight of our whole life is going to be that. That every day of our lives, we are, we are to strive to love God and to love others. And when we're offended, it makes it difficult. But nevertheless, we have to be intentional about what we do for the glory of God with a pure heart. That we are to love them. As Christ Don Allender said that goodness breaks the spell the enemy tries to cast and renders him powerless. And I'm standing before you testifying right now that that those are true words to be spoken. Reiterated back in Romans chapter 12, but I want to take you somewhere else. Let me take you to Matthew chapter five. Bring bring a few things around here just, just a moment. Matthew chapter five. Do you know that God is so serious about us being intentional when it comes to forgiving people that he does not even want us to worship him in his presence until we get that straight. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, Whoever is angry with his brother uh, without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever says to his brother, raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. In other words, Scripture is saying right in line with what we're talking about in Luke 17. I mean, yeah, Luke 17, 1 through 4. He says that if your brother offends you in Luke 17, you ought to go to him or go to her, go to your sister. And, and let them know that they have offended you. And let me just say this. There are a lot of people that are walking around that do not know that they have offended you. There are people that actually are walking around that may not know that they've offended you. You said, that is impossible. Well, I'll give you a good, good illustration. Husbands and wives, pay attention for just a second. Husbands and wives, my wife gave me some statistics. We've, we've been doing a little thing called talking about marriage, and we're going to keep that as a podcast, just like a 12 to 15-minute podcast. Our goal is to be week, weekly. But listen, she, she said that she had been kind of keeping a watch, and about 80% or better of the marital situations we have come in for counseling because... I, with, with the permission of the couple, sometimes I ask her to be a part of it because she's, she's a lady. I'm not a lady, you know? So uh, she has a perspective, and I trust her as a godly woman to, to give counsel in there, especially to the ladies. But she said over eight, at least 80%, probably a little more of the situations that happen to bring people into counseling is because guys are in a fog, for the most part of their marriage, especially from the beginning. Unless God so sovereignly opens our eyes, guys, we are working hard to do the things that we should, that God's called us to do, provide, be, you know, be in the man there, but I'm just gonna be honest with you, ladies, you got, to under, you got to hear my heart. Unless a man is wholly devoted to the Lord in everything that he does, your radar signal sins that you give out, we don't catch it. I mean, we're not Neanderthals, but many times in a lot of situations, we're not far from dragging a club behind us. We actually need you to tell us. Guys, can I get a witness? If there's something, I'm, ladies, I'm going to give you your chance too, but, but guys, If she would have just told me, well, she did, you just didn't hear it. But she never has said anything. Nope, nope, she never did. It was the look. It was the little gestures. It was the night you spent on the couch. It was whatever you wanna say, it was was there. But ladies, and ladies, am I telling the truth? You're shooting the signs out there, but they just don't hear it all the time. What happens is though, you let it, it builds in you. I won't say you let it. It builds and it builds and it builds. On average, if somebody makes it past five years in marriage, it is the grace of God or somebody in there is putting up with something more than most human beings will put up with for some particular reason. It happened in my marriage at five years. She checked out before five years. But at five years, she actually left. Why? She'd had enough. She'd been through it enough. And, and I thought, you see, I got saved about four months before she left. But she was shut down. And you ladies, let me just give you some advice. Or let me, let me speak this to you. I understand that when y'all flip the switch, it's a hard flip you you see what i'm saying in in the electrical world a light switch is not going to keep a a a strong surge from coming through it'll jump across the contacts won't it chris that's a gap there that's how you get your lights to turn off you you're touching you open the gap so what do you do to protect more you make the gap bigger because it takes so much voltage to jump that gap when y'all turn the switch off it's a Grand Canyon. You with me? It's like a Grand Canyon. But let me tell you this. God does not justify you in your switch. I understand that's what, it, what happens, but nevertheless, because see, God saved me in August 1999. She left December 1999. But she had already cut the switch off prior to August 1999. By the grace of God, the switch was turned back on. And I'd love to tell you that it happened like that. It happened over years. And I'm just talking about dealing with people and forgiveness, but I I just feel led of the Lord to hit it a little bit this morning from Wednesday night because it's so fresh on what we're doing as a church. It took the, the hurt, the pain, the, 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 the abandonment that she felt by the grace of God. And let me just say this, you don't fall out of love. I've already covered, covered this sometime in a while because you don't fall into love. Love is not something you fall into and fall out of. It is a choice that you make each day. Well, I just don't love them no more. Then that is a choice that you made. And you're making that choice before Almighty God. I'm just throwing this out there. You make that choice before Almighty God. No. There are days, do you feel like loving them? No. There are days you don't feel like forgiving people, right? But does that give you a pass on forgiving them? Nope. Why? And Let me, let me take you and show you uh, where, where it's at. Because God's serious about it. I mean, his, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he says that you'd be better off to be in the hands of some wicked, evil people than be in my hands for offending one of my little ones. He also says that I don't even want you to come worship me until you make these things right as best you can. As, as much as is possible, it says in Romans 12, much as is possible, make it right with people. Make it right with Him. Then let's go to Ephesians. I think it's Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to what he says here. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30. Matter of fact, let's see. Yeah, let's just go 29 through 32. 29 says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary... uh, I mean, good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, I want to lay something out there. Unforgiveness is not going to cost you an eternity in hell. I do not believe that any sin is going to cost you an eternity in hell if you commit a sin because Jesus Christ paid for all those sins on Calvary's cross to begin with. He is the one that saves us. He is the one that sanctifies us. He is the one that's going to glorify us. He is the one that keeps us. He is the one that causes us to endure. He is the one who sought us out. You didn't seek God. He sought you. And he's the one that is holding it all together. He even says in Ephesians chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee, the seal of the redemption of the purchased possession until that day of redemption. In other words, he is the seal. And he even reiterates it right here in this verse. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But what we can do is we can grieve him. You ever been grieved before? In other words, let's put it in a layman's term. You can make God sad. My grandmama was not a theologian, but she was pretty theological in some of her stuff. She said, Jesus don't like ugly. Listen to what he says here. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, verse 30, 30, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. In other words, if you don't put away bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking with all malice, then you grieve the heart of God that we make God, as the kids do, sad. They ask the kid, what is sin? Anything that makes God sad. So we make God sad. Can Can you think about this for just a moment? When we have that in our hearts, and this hits me like a ton of bricks, whenever we have that in our hearts, Evil speaking, I made a, I've made made a conscious choice here lately. I would love to tell you that I've won every battle, but I haven't. But to God be the glory, I've won more battles. He's won more battles in me lately than he's won in days past. And so that means that the process is working. We are, we're, we're making our way. That sanctification has happened, becoming more and more like Christ. But somebody brought up somebody's name the other day. And I could have interjected and cast a shadow on the, that person's name to this other person. They didn't say anything negative about them, but I could have said something negative and that would have made them think negative about that person. But within me, while they're talking in my spirit, I ain't hearing nothing else they say at that moment. I'm going, God, to, your, to you be all glory. I reserve the right not to, not to mention those things. I'm not going to go to the Memorial Park and pull a picture of the plaque, of the, I mean, the, the monument that I have set about that person in my life. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna go destroy the monument. I'm coming back over here and getting back in this conversation and I'm not going to speak negative of this person. Why? Because I don't wanna grieve
1: the heart of God. Why would we want to make sad the only one that truly loves us. The only one that loves us completely, even though he knows you. And here's the thing, he knows more about you than you know about you. And he still loves you. He still died for you. And he loves you even today. And he loves me even today, knowing everything, not that I have done, everything I will do. And he chose to do that before I was ever born. Before you were ever born, he chose it. And he does it for his glory. And we go around our lives, how much have I been offended? How much am I hurt? And the whole time he's trying to teach us
0: that the Christian life is a crucified life. And many people take on the Christian life and they go, Well, I guess if this is my lot in life, I'll just have to live with this person. (laughs) Are you kidding me? He said that he did not
1: come to just give you any kind of life, but you might have life more abundant and free. And that you and I must realize that that freedom comes in letting him be God. And you and me just be us, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb,
0: that you and I are to get over ourselves. And I know that there are people that are hurt, that you were hurt very badly. It wasn't just an insignificant thing. It was not just a little thing. It is possibly compounded over years. It maybe it was something that was very, a very bad thing that somebody could do to somebody. But he doesn't give disclaimers as to what we get to pick and choose on forgiving. Let me I wanna, let me read. The text we've been in for the last couple of weeks was Colossians. Uh, chapter 3 so in Colossians chapter 3 let me me read a couple verses for you verses 12 through 14 Colossians 3 therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved put on tender mercies put on kindness put on humility put on meekness put on long suffering bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another even as Christ forgave you you also must do but above all these things, as if love is something much more, as it talks about in Corinthians chapter 13, He's, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let me just say this. I, just to go back around and to, God can, God can make a masterpiece in the middle of your mess so fast. God can start to work on things. Uh, I don't want to. Yesterday, I'll I'll tell you this: we've had a we had a cold come through the house. Now we have just we've done everything we possibly do. We have tested everybody, um, took them to doctor's office, and all this stuff. And they just they say it's just it's just a sinus issue. Sinus issues hit my wife pretty hard. She'll lose her voice. She has allergies and stuff, and so they hit her pretty, pretty good. We have to watch out and make sure that nothing's going to build right here. And something happened to me at almost 28 years in marriage that I've never had happen in all that time. And I told you, they're five years in, she takes the kids, she walks out, and she was not, she didn't have a husband. The kids didn't have a dad. I got saved four months before I told you, but like I say, the switch was already off and I didn't know nothing about being a godly husband then to start with. But over the course of time, God in his sweet, precious grace taught us us how to love each other. Well, because of some things that were going around, going on, I, was, I didn't get my notes turned in to our secretary, Miss Debbie, in time for her to print. We, had, we were, we're kind of in a pinch to have to do something that I did not want to do this week. I absolutely cannot stand anymore. I used to love buying vehicles. I hate buying vehicles now, especially right now. This is not the time to be buying a vehicle, but we had to buy a vehicle. So three days of absolute you-know-what-on-earth. Doing all that because I also hate getting took, you know. And so we're going through all this. So we spent last week a couple of sets, like some lot, a lot of hours here, a lot of hours here, and a couple of hours here. So I took Friday off to go in this battle, and all. we're going to go get get us. We're going to go get a vehicle. So I'm behind on my schedule for. For studying for today As a matter of fact The handout that you have right there I printed very early this morning here My notes in here I had my handwritten notes That's why I had two sets Normally I have my set in here And that's it But I had some handwritten notes And I had what I could get printed off And there they were But my wife was feeling bad yesterday I didn't feel great yesterday Don't feel terrific today but she said, honey, don't you need to go to the church and get finished up. First time. What I'm trying to tell you, tell you what I'm gonna try to tell you is that this happens in all of our lives. We have to learn to love each other and be sensitive to God. I said, you know, yes, I, I do need to go over there, but I, I've got my Bible and I've got my phone and I'll I'll just do it here at the house because I really don't want to leave your side right now. Now it's not like she's dying of cancer or nothing like that. I'm just, but she's, just, but still, I felt the spirit of God just whisper to me, just "Stay right here."
1: That took 28 years. learn give people a little slack because even godly people screw up and God can take a
0: miracle take and make a miracle out of a mess if you'll give him a chance I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a moment I just want to simply today I'll always let you know that if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, please don't leave here today. If you know that you're lost, you don't believe that you're going to heaven, you don't, whatever it is, you have concerns about that, maybe you know you're lost. I want to I share that with you. I, I'm available. I will not leave here until everybody's gone. So if you'll be patient with people talking to me, I'll be patient to talk to you always. But if you have somebody's name on a list, you've got something there that you're just struggling with, then you do business with God. He says if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll do it. And so I'm going to pray. We're going to this. We've always got the altar open. If you want somebody to pray with you, or if you just need, even afterwards, want somebody to, to pray with you about a situation, uh, please uh, feel free. Father, as we come to you now, I just to ask you, Lord, that you would um, take our our hearts, our petitioners, any of us that have. Unforgiveness that we've been harboring, if we having trouble forgetting things, teach us, God, how to do that. Father, I pray for every broken, every fractured relationship, whatever case it may be, between a, a coworkers, employers, employees, church family. Household, whatever it might be, God, I prayed Lord. Knowing that your love cannot fail. That's what it, Love never fails. Teach us how to love, teach us how to forgive. In Christ's name. Thank you for listening. You can reach us at life at crc.com.